a golden god! An equal amount of blueberries in each muffin. To a new world of gods and monsters. <laughs> Who's weirder, you or me? You just put the law on my hands, and I'm gonna break your heart. Nobody puts baby in the Whatever you do, don't fall Welcome back to Movies for Life. I am one of your co-hosts, Brian Kuyper. And I'm your other co-host, Michelle Aiken. And today, once again, we have our Friends Forever favorites. And joining us this time, uh, we've been on his show a couple of times. It's been a blast. It is such yes. a joy to have him with us. Well, I'm my favorite people. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Uh, the host of the fantastic Cult Movies podcast, and a writer at F This Movie, he's got a new column, Neon Badges, the revival of Neon Badges in writing. Uh, very excited to welcome Anthony King. Hello, everybody. Thanks for having <laughs> me on your show. Like uh, like we said before, I love hanging out with you guys, so this this is fun. We're kind of a good group together, the three of us, I think. True, I Talking agree. Movies. Yeah. So we, we were your first two-person crew that came on, I think, or one of them. You might have had another two-person crew before us, but I can't remember for sure. Just so much laughter and fun and joy yeah. every time you come <laughs> on your show. So with the movie that you've chosen, I think that's probably going to happen again, yeah. too. Exactly. <laughs> so tell us what movie did you bring for us to talk about? What's one of your forever favorite movies of all time? One of my favorite movies of all time is The Burbs from Joe Dante, 19, was it 88, 89? It's one that I remember watching when I was a kid. I was seven or eight. And then ever since then, kind of every single time I watch it, which has probably been 50 times, I get that same exact feeling that I got when I was a kid watching it for the first time. And uh, I watched it this afternoon with my one of my sons, and I was just sitting there feeling the exact same way I was, you know, 30 plus years ago. So it's a really special movie in that way. That's so awesome. <laughs> so was it uh, when you first saw it, was it like on ho at home on video, hanging out in the living room, whatever, just hunkering down and watching or? Yeah, it had to have been on cable because we I don't remember renting it. We were big video store people, but I don't remember renting it. So it had to I had to have seen it on TV and it was probably like, you know, a WGN afternoon movie on a sure. Saturday or Sunday when mm -hmm. I was a kid. In fact, I think that's what it was. I saw it on WGM for the first time because I, for some reason, that WGM was always on in our house. Yeah, so it was on cable, and I don't think I ever saw it without commercials till <laughs> I was in my twenties. Uh, oh wow! Because yeah. I'd always just seen it on TV, and so I and I never owned it. But it's one of those, and I think probably I would venture a guess that ninety percent, even ninety five percent of the people that have seen this movie. 
-hmm. would consider the burbs to be one of those that if you're, you know, flipping through the channels, who does that anymore anyways, but (laughs) uh, back back when we used to do that, flipping through the channel and you see the burbs is on, you would stop and you had to finish watching the burbs when you passed it channel surfing. So, you know, it's just one of those, it seems like it's universally loved. I haven't, I haven't met anybody who doesn't like the burbs yet. And when I introduce it to people that haven't seen it, they'll come back to me and say, Oh my God, you're exactly, you're, you're right. It's so funny. And like uh, watching it with my four-year-old today, you know, he was just cracking up at good old goofy Tom Hanks that, you know, sadly we don't get anymore. Right. Uh, Yeah. But I think the burbs is, is special in that way that most people do either really like it or love it. It's one of those that it's, I think a lot of people find, it to be a comfort movie for some reason. Oh, totally. That's such a crazy story to me because I never even heard of this until like maybe seven or eight years ago. <laughs> even I came to this like super late in life, just kind of being in, I know it's not really, it's kind of horror-ish adjacent in the way with the, with the Joe Dante. So I heard about it like through, um, you know, horror fans, people that were fans of him. And yeah, it's definitely one of those movies that you see really late in life that you're kind of mad that you didn't have growing up. Because I know I would have absolutely loved this when I was a kid. Because what I realized when I was rewatching it for this, I was trying to think like, what makes this really work? What makes it really work for me? And I think what it is ultimately, it's like one of those kid venture movies for adults. You know, I think that's what makes it a lot of fun. It feels like you could do a similar type of scenario, like all the characters would be, you know, little 12 year olds running around their neighborhood with no parental supervision. It's like the Sandlot, you know, they're always trying to get the ball out of the backyard. This time they're trying to find the (laughs) neighbor's dead body, you know. I think that's what makes that a lot of fun. It makes it kind of, you can love it like throughout the course of your life because of that, I think. Yeah. Well, what's funny is that uh, bringing up the Sandlot, I remember watching the Sandlot for the first time when I was a younger person and I thought it was directed by the same dude who did like Explorers and the Burbs because it felt uh-huh. like right. a Joe da- inner space, Joe Dante movie. And I think that's, man, Joe Dante is such a freaking kid at heart. Um, yes. you know, he's, he's <laughs> yes. what, 74, 75 years old now, but I mean, even he's a, a, a film encyclopedia is a walking encyclopedia, but yeah. you watch his movies <laughs> or, you know, his stuff for, uh, Mick Garris's masters of horror. It looks like a kid who loves horror, you know, horror kid or somebody who loves those monster movies out there directing it who hasn't grown up. Of course, Matinee is kind of his autobiographical movie, but you watch Explorers, The Burbs, Inner Space. Inner Space was another big one in our family. We watched that. Ours too, yeah. Always renting Uh that. But that's why I love Joe Dante. There isn't a, I mean, I haven't seen his entire filmography, but there isn't a Joe Dante movie that I don't really, really like. Yeah. I don't, uh-huh. I don't love much, them all. Yeah. I love quite a few of them, but I really like the rest of them. <laughs> and there's not many filmmakers that are like that, that I can think of, you know, John Carpenter's one, but Carpenter is, you know, he's primarily a horror guy, whereas Joe Dante, 
he incorporates some horror elements into his movies, but like it's just it looks like a kid playing with film equipment and, and telling these wacky ass <laughs> stories. Yeah, I mean, I was looking at his filmography and honestly, he did a lot of comedy, science fiction and horror. You know, he's sort of known as a horror director, but I mean, his straight horror movies are what Piranha, uh, The Howling and I guess gremlins and then some of the masters of horror things he did, but so much of what he did was like, I mean, the burbs is certainly horror adjacent and, uh, but like you said, inner space and gremlins too. I mean, just comes across to me as a comedy. I mean, it's just hilarious. (laughs) You know, it comes to me as a cartoon, you know, and then, you know, it makes sense for him to go and do the Looney Tunes movie, for example. Exactly. You know, matinee is, again, a sort of horror adjacent. And we talked about that a lot when we covered that movie. I got to tell my story about the Burbs, though. I (laughs) saw this on a double bill uh, with a movie called Three Fugitives uh, starring uh, Martin Short and Nick Nolte. And uh, yeah, I remember that. that that, That was the first movie. And I was so excited to watch the Burbs because I was like, oh, the, the dude that did Interspace and Gremlins. And I was kind of like, there was this sense about it that it was a Hitchcock sort of thing. And I didn't know anything about Hitchcock. I might have seen the birds, but every time I heard the Burbs, I thought of it in like Hitchcock's voice saying sure. the Burbs. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know what. And so when we watched it, it kind of terrified me. And I was 10. <laughs> When yeah. we saw this yeah. uh, big screen movie, my mom and my brother were there too. I don't think either of them particularly cared for it at the time. My brother would probably really dig it now. My mom, I probably not, but my mom is my mom. Um, <laughs> love you, mom. Um, <laughs> she, she's not into horror. I was talking to her about her on another podcast too. She's not into horror and scary Aww. stuff very much. So <laughs> But this movie took me a while to kind of warm up to because it really did freak me out. Like the idea that your neighbors could be, I know real Satanists are not like this, but you know what I mean, could be this kind of people that would you know, kill you and put you in a hole in their backyard yeah. and, um, and barbecue you on a giant grill, you know. <laughs> <laughs> really freaked me out. And um, also it did things like it showed. And uh, this is also something that uh, another movie I love that sort of horror adjacent comedy uh, summer school has all those clips from like Texas Chainsaw. Mm-hmm. And here's actual clips from the exorcist and Texas right, Chainsaw right. Massacre. And I didn't know it at the time, but you know, um, race with the devil. Uh, and that is race with the devil in that other clip. I yeah. Think, right. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Just, just, just making sure I, I thought it was. So for me as sort of this, I'm not allowed to see those movies. Right. That was so cool. <laughs> but <laughs> honestly, it hasn't been until the last, few years that I've really come back to it and really warmed up to it and really have fallen in love with it. I watched it twice uh, in the past couple days because I just like it so much now. It is. It's insanely rewatchable. And you can't say that about many movies. Mm -mm. You know, I I love watching Joe Dante movies, but especially the birds because or I guess especially matinee. But but the birds, too, because there's so there's so much love for genre movies yeah in in all of his movies but you know in the burbs like you're talking about those clips you got uh chainsaw 2 you got the exorcist uh, race with the devil uh, there's two others that i didn't know older ones yeah but 
Oh, uh, right, right, right. Yeah, I forgot about those. They, you know, it's so even I'm thinking about the howling like uh, and I know Orson Welles just would go off about homage and everything. But I don't think Joe Dante is, is really paying homage to, uh, you know, the forefathers of genre cinema. He's just uh, he's a horror kid and he's putting in what he loves. Mm-hmm. And what's cool is like. Chainsaw 2 comes out like what three years before this I think yeah and like it's a pretty new movie he throws in a clip of when uh Leatherface breaks into downstairs from the radio station and I don't know that's just so cool to think about and that he has always been and still is such a cheerleader of genre filmmakers and it's so fun to watch these movies, especially as a, as an adult, you know, like I said, saw this when I was nine or 10 for the first time and kind of grew up watching it since then. Inner space always. I mean, almost every weekend, it seemed like we were watching it. But when I go back and watch these movies as an adult, it's so cool to be able to see how much Joe loved like all those clips. You know, now we know what they are. Back then mm-hmm. we didn't get it. At least I didn't. But it, man, it's so cool to especially grow up with a movie like this and still love it. And I think a lot of times, uh, you know, we talk about nostalgia all the time and nostalgia comes into play so often where we still love bad movies. But <laughs> The Burbs is not a bad movie. No, I think no, it's, it's really fucking it's good, really well good, made yeah. movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He just likes to celebrate the things that he loves. That's what I always loved about just listening to Joe Dante interviews or whatever. He's always excited just to talk about movies. He's excited to talk about the things that he loves. And he, yeah, I think that extends into like what he puts into his own movies. Like he probably was just like, hey, Texas Chainsaw 2 is cool. I'm going to add that in here. And that and I can make that work in my own movie. And we're all part of the same little group and we'll celebrate movies together because that's what we love. That's why we're here, you know. He has that kind of attitude to him. I love him. <laughs> Another thing about Joe Dante, I mean, there's just no pretension about him either. No. Yes, he yeah, knows exactly. all this stuff about movies, but it's always like, hey, you haven't heard of this? You will love this. You know, exactly. it's not it's not in the yeah. sense of, I know so much about these films and you, not, not even the slightest bit of that mm-hmm. in any way. He's just... And not just, uh, you know, horror and science fiction. If you listen to the Pure Cinema episode on Western. I was going to say, that was fascinating. Incredible. (laughs) Just all of these great, the deep cuts I had never heard of. um, But just, and he's just rattling them off. You know, like, (laughs) that's a cool movie. You should check that one out. And this, (laughs) and all these movies. It shows how far his his, uh, interests reach too. Yeah. Yeah. See, that's like, man, he obviously loves Westerns and, you know, uh, John Williams does the score for the Burbs, right? Is it John Williams? I think it's John. Uh, Jerry Goldsmith. Jerry Goldsmith. Duh. Goldsmith. That, yeah, that's yeah. Joe's guy. Uh, Goldsmith. Yeah. But he still leaves in that Ennio Morricone clip when the boys go up to when the boys, when <laughs> the guys right, are first yeah. lying down the house. And it's uh-huh. that kind of Western type uh-huh. of stand up. Oh, and so yeah. he still leads in that that Ennio Morricone little snippet from one of his songs from one of the I think uh Sergio Leone movies. But and then you have guys like Brother Theodore okay. in here. Uh Henry Gibson. Henry Gibson. Um and then oh gosh, Bruce Dern. So like you have Courtney Gaines who's mm-hmm. basically a newcomer. Corey Haim was 
famous Feldman. at of course Feldman. you know he Feldman, was yeah. Feldman. Feldman. huge yeah. huge at the time but um and Tom Hanks was still you know he was big but not one of these like uh, th- these guys weren't huge like classic movie stars yet but he brings right. in like these you know Bruce Stern brother Theodore and uh Henry Gibson who just arts you know when they show up in I mean, Bruce Stern, my God, he's one of my favorite actors of all time. But like yeah. this past season, I did an episode on The Long Goodbye with Mark uh-huh. Bagley on cult movies. And Henry Gibson is in that. And he's fucking hysterical. Whereas in this, like he is deadly serious and incredibly scary. Yeah. Like Brother Theodore, like a classic genre cult movie actor. And Joe's just like, yeah, bring him in. And like, he is super funny in this. He's like, you know, this grumpy toad. Yeah, Uh, (laughs) that's a good way of putting it. The way he holds his mouth and everything. It's so like, right. (laughs) And then, and then like Bruce Stern. So like, you know, maybe his biggest role up to this date or, or most esteemed was from Hal Ashby's coming home. And like, you know, he's a, a war vet and he comes home from the war and he's, you know, very, very messed up. And his wife is started this affair with John Voight and it's this very serious role. And I, in my opinion, it's his best role. And so here Joe takes Bruce Stern as a vet and, but makes him just this like super goofy, lovable guy in this movie. You know, it's, it's so (laughs) funny watching these guys in this movie. uh, Like I was talking about with, you know, goofy Tom Hanks. We don't get that anymore, man. Like, unless he's Mm -hmm. on a late night talk show, Tom Hanks is doing all these, you know, kind of poopy, serious roles that are sometimes <laughs> good, sometimes more often than not, pretty boring. Uh, and man, you go back and watch his shit from the eighties, and it is the I know. best. I know. Like he yeah. was one of the funniest. Was he still is? But one of the funniest people ever. And my God, I wish uh, just give us one more, one more, Tom, please. Yeah. Because <laughs> you know he can do it when oh, yeah. he gives an interview. You know he's still got that in him. Oh, he's yeah, he's hysterical. The bit that he does at the end of this movie is just like my favorite thing ever. <laughs> when he's like, "Just take me to the hospital," <laughs> like that's the Tom Hanks that I want to see all the time. <laughs> Even like at the very, very beginning uh, during the opening credits, like the paper boy goes by and he just like just like tosses his coffee at him. <laughs> like, yeah. it, like that is the best little moment. Like shit like that is just what makes this movie so so funny, so rewatchable notice all yeah, this like, stuff yeah, yeah the you know the the yelling tom hanks like he uh-huh. and yeah. carrie fisher have such great i mean this cast jesus christ are you kidding me oh, carrie man. fisher have mm-hmm. they have such great chemistry I, I don't believe them as a married couple for one bit <laughs> in this movie but their comedic chemistry is so great sure. because he is he's at an 11 and she's trying to be a cool calm four yeah, and, and <laughs> sure. they still match each other, right? They're still meeting, and it works so well. But again, I don't buy them for a minute as a married couple. But they <laughs> are so good together. I love yeah. it. And I mean, you know, bless her heart. This woman, you know, any sane woman wouldn't take this psychopath back at the end of the movie. But I mean, you know, we get a happy ending. I remember like sitting down and seriously watching this for the first time in many, many years, uh, maybe five, six years ago. And I had, I don't know why or what happened, but I had completely blocked out basically the the end where everything just goes completely fucking haywire. The house blows up and, yeah. you know, the, uh, the cops come and the neighborhood's full of or the cul-de-sac is full of people. And 
I, I don't know why, but I had completely blocked that out. And so when I was watching, I was watching with my friend Kevin and I was like, what the fuck is this movie? And I could not remember it. But, you know, when even when I was watching it today, I was just like, God, this is such a great, um, I guess, kitchen sink of a movie. Yeah, because he does like he being Joe Dante just explores so much. It starts off as this kind of goofy comedy, but then it, it really leans into the sort of the the wacky uh, horror elements, you know, the trunk mm-hmm. full of skulls and, and rib cages and shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, or, you know, but I don't know. It's, it's such a great uh, kitchen sink of a movie that is, is like a warm blanket because uh, even though he's mixing in so much stuff, it still all works together. And it's very, very comforting when mm-hmm. it works together. Where even like, the little bitty like kind of fantastical parts of it kind of makes sense like the way he when he steps over into their yard is when the wind starts blowing like you totally like it's totally a joke but you also kind of believe that that maybe that's actually what's happening or just it just works you just accept it and as part of this movie because that's the kind of vibe and the tone that he sets up and it keeps it up throughout the whole movie yeah you know something that i i I don't know why and this this probably isn't an important thing at all but I found it very curious, very cool that the first line of dialogue we hear in the movie is Carrie Fisher off screen. Uh, she's saying, Ray, come back to bed. And then the very last line of dialogue forces Corey Feldman saying, God, I love this neighborhood. But those two are such like not even secondary. They're almost tertiary characters. Mm-hmm. And so I, I don't know. I, I just thought that was for some reason it was it was such a, a strange thought that popped in my head but i find those bookends to be really interesting for some reason i don't know why well every character has their moment to shine everyone has their little part to play yeah i love cory feldman's character as just the kid who's the whole thing about the the movie i think is there's a couple different things going on but it's always like you know the the dark stuff under the surface and the suburbs but doing it in a funny way here and he's the one that's really in tune with that i guess and i don't know this this time (laughs) because i was thinking of this as like a kid movie with adults carrie fisher's kind of the mother of the neighborhood (laughs) yeah but but is not there... not a nagging. I, I don't I don't find her to be nagging in this. No, movie. not at I, all. No. She, she's the very. Straight, she's just like the like calm center. Yeah, of the movie. She's the mother yeah. hen of everybody. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's even a part where um, Bruce Dern or Art and uh, Rumsfeld Rumsfeld. go Rumsfeld, go and ask yeah. <laughs> go and ask Rums, if it is field. Whatever. <laughs> yeah, there, there's there's a subtle difference, and I find that that's something we'll I want to talk about in a minute. But you go keep going. I'm just saying yeah. there's a there's a part where they they come over and Carrie Fisher's kind of like done with all of their bullshit. And they basically ask if he can come out to play, and she says no. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I thought it's that was true, that's like one of my favorite moments. Well, I just love the way uh, they they set all these characters up. I mean, to name Bruce Dern's character Rumsfeld, I mean, obviously they're making a reference to Rumsfeld because he had been, you know, the Secretary of Defense <laughs> under Carter as well. So I mean, he he had, his name had been around. I mean, it wasn't like oh, so it makes it feel weirdly fresh because right. obviously, again, uh, he his name would become sort of, I guess notorious for being a, a warmongering kind of person and and you know it's sort of a shorthand with that Bruce Stern character 
He's not unlikable. He's, he's not like, yeah, he's not unlikable. He's a mega kinda... hat nowadays. <laughs> I, mean, I think that's that's how they would. That's what the shorthand would be. You he know? kind of reminds me of uh, Burt Gummer in Tremors. He does <laughs> <Anyway>. totally. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Wow. Think about that. Let's let's get like a like a twenty minute short with Burt Gummer and and Rumsfeld. Yeah, <laughs> God, they would be amazing yeah, together. Yeah, with Bruce Dern and then uh, Mike. Uh, what's his name? What's the actor's name that plays uh, Michael Gross? Michael um, Gross. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, gosh, man, that'd be really how fun cool. would that be? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I have just thought of the perfect crossovers. Yes. <laughs> yes. yes. <sighs> I think the reason I was obsessed with this movie so much when I was a kid was because you know I was a suburban kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know kind of grew up in in this quiet lower middle class neighborhood dreaming to live in a house that looked like those houses in that in that circle in the movie but <laughs> sure i always thought because like it, our street was so quiet like by the time this movie comes out my street got really boring but i remember a couple years before well, i had been just the year maybe two years before there was at one end of of our street was uh, a bunch of juniors and seniors in high school that lived down there. And there ended up being, I don't know how the hell it began, but I remember driving home one night and we we came into this melee happening in our neighborhood. And there's like this neighborhood-wide food fight. And I, I can just imagine this now, like if this is happening in my neighborhood, I would freak out. Like, don't break our windows type of shit. But like, I remember we pulled into the neighborhood and I think we got hit with a tomato or something. And, and like, oh dad was just laughing about it. And like, our, our car got hit with him. He was just laughing about it. And this kid, Mike, that lived up the street, he ran down. And I don't know who the hell he was throwing tomatoes at, but there was a bunch of other fucking kids. And so, like, I ran around for a couple minutes with Mike. I was like, what's going on around here? Oh, my God. <laughs> so then I see this movie in probably 90, 91. And then I'm like, I wish I lived... I wanted to be the Corey Corey Feldman character where I could sit. I would sit out in my driveway in a lawn chair, just waiting for something to happen. Of course, nothing ever fucking happened. <laughs> we're, in the, we're in the Midwest, uh, you know, surrounded by a bunch of freaking retired teachers. Nothing, <laughs> nothing happens in our neighborhood. But I remember having my friend Matt come over and I was like, let's just sit out and watch the neighborhood. And he's like, what? what? Why? <laughs> I was like, I don't know, something could happen. (laughs) What? I don't know, Matt, but let's just sit and and I still do that. I still sit out and luckily I live in a more active neighborhood. There's, you know, tons of kids around, so they're all riding their bikes and stuff and and coming over because, you know, to get my son and everything. And so I'll sit out and there's a little more action to watch our neighborhood. But I I don't know, I just like that idea of this teenage kid who (laughs) his idea of a fun weekend night is sitting on his porch and just seeing whatever the fuck happens with his neighbors. Yeah. And I, I love that. And I'm not a huge Corey Feldman fan, uh, especially now I, I find him quite annoying, but uh, in this movie and he's pretty annoying in this movie too, but I think that's where the nostalgia creeps in. Whereas, you know, I, I think about how I used to want to be him just watching whatever happens in the neighborhood happening. <laughs> right. Corey Feldman's interesting because I uh, think he really 
in his heyday. I mean, you think about the Goonies and Lost Boys, uh, Stand By Me. He's really good on screen. You know, yes. he's got a real presence, and, he's, and I don't mean that in a Sterling Hayden kind of way. Um, <laughs> uh, that's a little inside joke for those of you who need to go back and listen to our episodes of when we appeared on the Cult Movies podcast. Um, You'll be in me to Sterling Hayden. Said, sorry, sorry. Um, so, but he's he's really good. I mean, he's really uh, engaging and magnetic on screen. I mean, he really has an it factor when he's on screen, but then you watch the interviews with him, uh, even on, cause like I have the scream factory disc of this or a shout yep. factory disc of this. And I just want to punch him in the face. Yeah. <laughs> he's so, I mean, he's surrounded by memorabilia of himself. Yeah. He's just, I mean, it is, it is like the most infuriating thing. Uh, but <laughs> my, my favorite thing about the burbs doesn't even happen in the movie. And it's not even on that shout select disc. It's, I think I know uh, what you're going to say. It's in uh, Elijah Drenner's documentary. Who's or that guy, Dick Miller, yeah. uh, which is great. If anyone hasn't oh, seen so it, good. watch that guy, Dick Miller. It's so great. Uh, but there's just a clip. <gasps> yeah. Of, oh, of I know. Dick, like this you're standing outtake, outside yeah. The, yeah, standing yeah. outside the, the garbage truck and Corey's kind of fucking around. And I think Joe or somebody's trying to give him directions and trying to, you know, say, OK, this is what's happening in the scene. And and Dick like hits Corey on the arm. And he says, shut the fuck up, kid. Some of us are trying to act here. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yep. And, yep. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, that's that's the real Corey, Corey Feldman. And, you know, we kind of know what was going on behind the scenes and everything and being a child actor is, is yeah. hard as fucking shit yeah as absolutely and, back then. and so yeah, yeah there's yeah. like I, i'm not blaming him no no he, he deserves uh, an amount of empathy i think absolutely uh, but, but he out, does yeah. fit like i mean this cast is so weird to think about when mm-hmm. when you actually think about tom hanks Corey feldman carrie fisher bruce dern and then you throw in guys like you know brother theodore Courtney Gaines, uh, Henry Gibson, uh, Wendy Shaw. Wendy Shaw is so great. Wendy Shaw is wonderful. Much. I love. She is so, so life, funny. Yeah. 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 But, you know, I, Corey Feldman maybe at the time was like, let's get kind of one really big sort of mega poll here. Uh, and not paycheck wise, but like, you know, to pull in some crowds. Oh, we know Corey Feldman. And it works. And, mm-hmm. you know, they, they play with it. You know, his first appearance on screen, he says something to the Rumsfields. And then uh, Bruce Stern is like, what a meatball. Yeah. Meatballs was at two or three that he was in. But it's just so weird to think about this cast and how well it works on screen together. And then you hear about like, uh, and I don't think it, they talk about it on the on the disc, but Apparently, Tom Hanks and Rick Dukeman didn't really get along together. Oh, yeah. Uh, which is interesting because they do have really great chemistry. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think that sort of Ray Peterson getting sick of art, that was real life. <laughs> I, I think uh, that's, you know, that's kind of the rumors, but it all works. It sure feels they, real in the movie. Yeah, yeah they work <laughs> so well together. And listen, it goes back to Joe Dante. He had created this very close-knit, small cast, right? Mm-hmm. Relatively speaking. Small, close-knit group of people, cast and crew. We're going to hang out in this cul-de-sac for you know a month making this movie. And we're just going to become a family 
And that's what we feel when we watch it. And that is incredible. That all goes back to Joe Dante. And I mean, for God's sakes, watch the rest of his movies. That's the feeling you get. Yeah. Even with something like, you know, the howling, I still get that feeling of, man, these people like really had a good time together making this movie. Yeah, Yeah, totally. I actually, uh, I don't really know him anymore, but I actually knew a a kid who, um, was in a movie for Joe Dante, uh, The Hole, one of the later ones, uh, Nathan Gamble. So, And I used to sit around because obviously his mom would be on set with him because he was underage when he was making these movies. And I would always be like, so what was Joe Dante like? It's like, oh, he was he was always wearing his Hawaiian shirts and we called him Director Joe. And, you know, it's just like just it just sounded like a really terrific, just sort of fun kind of set to be on. And then he talked about he was also in The Mist. Um, You know, Frank Mm -hmm. Darabont was also very that kind of a director. But he was also in The Dark Knight. Christopher Nolan was just like scary. And, yeah, you know, it's just. You know, Nobody really, allowed to sit down. Yeah, I mean, just and, and so they're just just kind of these these different kinds of set kind of atmospheres that a different filmmaker will make. I mean, I, I can't remember exactly everything they said. I mean, there's only so much they could say. I mean, but uh, especially if before the a movie has been released, and they never told me anything that <laughs> was like breaking a disclosure, a non disclosure agreement right. or something like that. But it was uh, just really fascinating to hear, and I think. The idea of just Joe Dante creating this wonderful atmosphere continues, even even though the movies that he makes now are much lower profile and he hasn't made a lot. I mean, I looked at the list. I was like, I haven't heard of these things. Yeah, me me too. And and I was like, I I didn't I just assumed he wasn't really doing anything. Um, But there are a few things that he's done over the past several years that it's like, oh, okay, And so hopefully he's still able to make some of the kinds of things he wants to make. I know none of them are as high profile as sort of this heyday after gremlins that he had in the the mid to late eighties there. Yeah. You know, I think Joe is, I don't know. He seems like the guy, because you hear about creative types, whether they're writers or actors or directors or musicians or whatever that just don't want to give it up. Uh, they're going to mm-hmm. keep going until the day they die and, and you know, the their output becomes almost embarrassing. It's like, come on. And I think, you know, John Carpenter is happy just watching his basketball and playing his Play video, video games, games yeah. <laughs> and, playing, and, you know, going on on a tour every four or five years and playing with his yeah. his kid yeah, and his kid's friends, his, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think Joe, I have no idea, like I fucking know the guy, but right. uh, it. He seems like he's happy. Yeah, he's you know, doing his trailers it, from Hell gig, and he's doing that stuff where he's just kind of lifting up other filmmakers and you know talking about yeah. movies on different things. Yeah, and you know why not? Because you know I think about my mom. She's she's around the same age, and you know she's happy being retired and and just kind of doing whatever the hell she wants to do. I mean, think about it. a seventy four year old man directing a movie. Listen, yeah. I I will watch I will watch a Joe Dante movie if it, if it comes out. But that seems like a lot of work for yeah. a seventy four year old person. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> all I'm saying is that I I don't want him to have to go through the stress of 
directing a movie. <laughs> right. Because we want Joe Dante we to be have, okay. <laughs> yes. The longer we can have Joe Dante on this earth, the better. Yes. Uh, and, you know, he, and he's one of those guys. I, I'm usually not affected by celebrity deaths at all. Sure. Uh, but it truly will be a sad day when, when Joe Dante, like, he just seems like a great warm light on this yes. earth as, uh-huh. as a human yes. being, not just as a yeah. creative type, but just as a human being. And so it, it's going to be a real sad day when he passes. And hopefully that won't be for fuck 20 more years. Why not? Yeah. Um, cause Roger he, Corman he, just celebrated his 96th birthday. So there you exactly. Go. <laughs> well, you know, maybe hopefully, you know, people who come from the Corman camp, uh-huh. Uh, leech some of that. Yeah, exactly. Whatever <laughs> off of him and, and live forever too. But yeah. Uh, yeah. So he is such a comforting presence. And when you watch his movies and I can't believe I haven't shown my boys inner space yet, but that's, that's I, know. I thought the sure. same thing, but uh, I could just tell, and granted Rowan, he's four years old. He doesn't know how to process the world, but there's not many movies that he will sit and watch, but why the burbs? The burbs is it's not a kid's movie yet. Something drew this four year old to watch the burbs and laugh hysterically at parts where he was supposed to laugh hysterically and, and get kind of spooked out when we go to the Klopex house. And, yeah. you know, uh, my favorite scene in the movie is the sardine and the pretzel. Oh, yes. Tom Hanks, uh, I think that's everybody's <laughs> favorite scene. And Ro- Rowan was rolling during that. He was, he just got the comedy of it all and he got the kind of spooks of it all. And, and he was like watching intently. Why? I, he won't fucking do that with a Batman movie. We're going through the Batman <laughs> movies as a family. And he, he's like with any of the Batman movies, he hasn't been able to sit and like watch intently, but the burbs <laughs> he was into <laughs> who, who knew. <laughs> because there's a just a sense of fun yes. about it yeah true yes yeah, that's, that's true. true have you tried it's batman a, 66 a... yet no i'm not going to subject my family to that. oh i showed that to my kids when they were younger they freaking loved it i and yeah i i like batman we uh you know i just turned 40 yeah. so we have yeah. a lot of me tv on the house yeah. on in the house now <laughs> Uh, I think that's the rule when you turn 40. Yeah. MeTV has to be on for like 12 hours a day. But Batman is on, you know, the original Adam West, Dick yeah. Ward, Dick, uh, or um, Burt Ward, Batman Burt Ward, yeah. Yeah. is on. And they'll be like, oh, this is where it started, huh? And then go off and do their thing. I don't oh, know, they're okay. Just not, okay. They're not Batman boys, I guess. I don't know. I guess not, yeah. I'm not a superhero guy, but I am a Batman guy for some reason. Yeah. And so I'm into... All the Batman stuff. Anyways, yeah, it's not about Batman. We love we love the burbs here. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I just I just had to ask, you know, and you know the the relationships that are set up in this movie. I think the character of Art. I mean, this is got to be the most annoying and obnoxious neighbor you can possibly. Can you imagine, imagine. having him as a neighbor? Uh, I would fucking move. No doubt. I mean, he comes in, he walks into the door. It's like, yeah, I'll have some breakfast. Just like eating, the, eat, just eating food. breakfast, all their yeah, food out of the room. Right. Yeah. I, I, and he's the reason Puts why they get into this whole thing. syrup back into the fridge. <laughs> right. right. But by the time that you get to the end and you see Tom Hanks' character, it's like just 
explode all over him you get it i mean uh, that that is the thing it's like you know we're the monsters here not these people we're paranoid we're crazy and you know if i have one qualm about the movie is that art gets proven right (laughs) I was going to ask you guys about that. that, That's the one thing that that I'm kind of like, I know they they changed the ending because there was something else originally, but for um, Henry Gibson's character to turn out to be, you know, actually a killer and actually a Satanist (laughs) and all of this kind of like, doesn't that kind of pull the rug out from under what the whole point of the movie has been up to this point? I mean, it's still funny. It's still entertaining. I'm not, I'm not mad at it, but it does kind of do that a little bit right. to me. You know, I'm just curious what you guys think of that. I was totally going to ask that exact same question. It's like, would it have been a better ending if they were if they were killers or if they weren't killers? And I don't know. I think it works both ways, honestly, because it's it's about the the danger lurking beneath. You know, the sure it does. Yeah, the uh-huh. brightness of the suburbs. And so it's it's kind of funny that like you know either. The, the paranoid neighbors who can't mind their own business or the bad people or the ones that are actually they're actually killers the people that they are paranoid about you know so i, I think i think both of them works in that way you get it no i, I get what I was, you're saying there well they're they're both yeah. equally as, as bad in a way right yeah i i didn't realize the perfection of this movie until maybe five years ago okay uh because i wanted that other ending of Ray and, and Rumsfeld and Art. They're wrong. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't that that I didn't love. It was how far off the rails the movie goes. Oh, okay. That always kind of, uh, it didn't rub me the wrong way. I just didn't like it. I was like, what? We were like nice and contained. And it was a tight little comedy. We don't know where it's headed. And then all of a sudden we're fucking blowing up houses and shit. What is this? <laughs> uh, and I, I didn't gr- It took me a long time to grow to love that portion of it. And now I can't imagine the movie without it because I, I, I think it's, I mean, the whole movie is a pressure cooker and it's uh-huh. escalating. Mm-hmm. And like, wh- if you think about it, the whole movie we're climbing and mm-hmm. then what? We're just going to plateau? No, let's fucking climb and like <laughs> blow the shit way out of out sure. of the atmosphere here, which which is what they do. And uh, and I, have skulls I, in the I honestly, Yeah, go right, all out. I, I, I honestly think like this is the only that that's the only way to end it. Mm-hmm. But I, I was a little suspicious of of our neighbors when we first moved into the house we are in now. <laughs> Uh, (laughs) and i i grew to like them and say hi to them and everything and lost my freaking paranoia but thinking back like god i was such an asshole for thinking that way why just assuming and so like really up until just the very very end these guys are really horrible people tom hanks yeah uh And rum and yeah, Brewster and like they are horrific, horrific people. They're bad, <laughs> bad men. <laughs> I could also see their point a little bit because maybe it's also like a comment on the boringness of the suburbs and how like nothing ever goes on, and you're just kind of wanting some excitement, so you make it up sure. however you want. That's probably Art's thing. That's probably why he's so annoying. <laughs> 
<laughs> Even though I love yeah. that actor, that actor is a lot of fun. I like why he's annoying to, to listen to if he was a real person, but he is really funny. I remember him the most from. Oh, I find him hilarious. Yeah, he's, I, I'll he's, admit he's that. Playing, I, I recognized him immediately when I first saw this because um, a movie that I watched a lot that he pretty much plays the same character in is Blank Check. <laughs> one of those oh, like really? one of those like nineties kid. Yeah. Uh, or the kid becomes a millionaire and he's like uh, his driver and he becomes like the kid's best friend or whatever so he's he's got he's always one of those like yeah he's annoying characters but he's also got a lot of heart yeah uh, in in the way that he portrays it and isn't there also wasn't there supposed to be maybe something in the script or it didn't quite make it into the final thing about how tom hanks's character might not actually be on vacation that he got fired or something from his job and he just didn't tell his wife I remember hearing something like that somewhere. I just thought of that just now, and I was gonna look up where I'd, I'd heard that before. You know, like that could have been that could have been like the little implication at the beginning. Yeah, that he... yeah. There are a million different ways this could go super dark, and mm-hmm. I I am one for you know I I am the king of sad vember. Uh, I love my <laughs> sad movies, my dark movies. Me too. And, uh, you know, I you think about. This could be a commentary on white neighbors in this cul-de-sac. And I, I'm afraid I don't want to step on anyone's picks here at the end, but, you know, sort of a get out sort of situation oh. where they're othering these new people, these clopacks. And I'm like, for God's sakes, they're, Rumsfeld is like obsessed with the fact. What is that? Slavic? Yeah, says that too. Is that what's that name? Slavic? Yeah, I, yeah, I thought yeah. that was an interesting point that came up a couple of times. Yeah. And like th- there are if and I choose not to do this because the movie's fucking hysterical and it's meant to be fucking hysterical. It's a comedy, it but you can read into this movie and there is some dark shit going on where these white neighbors don't want outsiders in their pretty little neighborhood. Right. Sure. Um, yeah. But like I said, I don't want to think about that. that <laughs> I, I rarely turn to comedies, but this is one comedy that yeah. I will always turn to and just, you know, kind of pick up my day. It, it you know, makes me more jovial, sure. I suppose. Sure. Yeah. You can still enjoy it, even if there's a little element of that. That just kind of means that he knew what he was doing, Joe Dante. Yeah. <laughs> but he kind exactly. of went the more, no, that's... the more fun route. <laughs> right. With it but still hinted at it. I love that scene where they all go over and visit them for the first time. <laughs> it's like one of oh. the best parts of the movie. <laughs> it's I so love that Bruce Dern's carrying, <laughs> carrying the brownies way up in the air across the street. <laughs> <laughs> and then he falls in the hole and drops him. Um, it, it's like here, here you go. Uh, it's just hysterical. All the fun um, visual gags in this movie. The the house mm-hmm. number going from six six nine to yeah. six six six. So many quotable lines. I love when Art electrocutes himself and his fingernails <laughs> black. And it's like, oh, my fillings are hot. My fillings yeah. are hot. <laughs> yeah, you think about that, and it's like, oh my god, that is. That is terrifying because you, I know. you hear horror stories of, of the poll workers who have yeah. sadly died and yeah. like their shit is completely melted out of their teeth and uh. their fingernails have like completely like shot off and like, you know, the ends of their fingers are, are blown out like fucking fireworks and shit. I didn't need to know and, that. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. No, it's it's really dark, disgusting stuff. But then I and there are some wonderful camera shots that Joe does. And my favorite, I think one that really stands out to me is when 
the neighbors are going over to the Clopax and you get that crane shot looking down and you have Rumsfeld, Brewster in the back, like he's he's the last one. He's holding the brown, he's so fucking high, and, and we don't see their faces, but you can just picture the shit eating grin on not just Rumsfeld, but on Bruce Dern's face. Mm-hmm. Like, this is so fucking silly. You know, I'm having <laughs> such a great time doing that. Um, right. but the other shot is so after Ray, uh, or not Ray, uh, Art electrocutes himself, you get this, uh, another crane I know shot, you go. I know shot where they're unloading shit out of the shed there, but they're looking down through the hole that Art had made. And it's like a cart, you know, it's a it's, cartoon. It's oh. shaped like his body. Yeah, it's his body's yeah, yeah. outline. Well, oh, that. You know, <laughs> Again, that's pure Joe Looney Dante. Tunes. Pure yeah, Looney yeah, Tunes. absolutely. Yeah. It's Joe Dante being a kid, yeah. just having fun. Or at yeah, the beginning I, I when he that. when he's eating all their food and he takes a little thing out of the bowl that Carrie Fisher is carrying, and in the background you can see her give it to the dog because it's, it's dog, dog food. food. <laughs> oh, jeez. There's just so much in this. Uh, that's so even much just fun. like all, yeah, all the like just little things. I had the subtitles on. I always have subtitles on now so I don't miss any like lines like this. Even like just little lines you hear from the background of like Bruce Dern like one of my favorites that just made me laugh out loud is when he just kind of yells at what's Corey Feldman at uh, Ricky he yells at Ricky one time he's like she goes shut up and paint your goddamn house <laughs> and they're like <laughs> when he's he, like won't leave him alone I don't know <laughs> just like stuff he, like that he is, yeah, cracks he is me all up. of us just the way they say yeah, it. yeah. <laughs> there's even little cues in the score that kind of crack me up because uh mm-hmm. oh, in, yeah. in the opening shot you know at night they show um Bruce Dern in silhouette you don't know this guy yeah. yet and you just see him you know like smoking a cigar and it's 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 totally a rear window reference it, yeah. it it's absolutely a rear window reference but it plays sort of like this patriotic sort of signature uh melody there yeah. and so it's like you already know even before we've seen him come out the next day and put on his sunglasses and salute the flag and all that yeah. we know exactly who this guy is already and then Jerry Goldsmith does this really weird thing where like the, the poodle comes out, the little toy poodle comes out and it's like this sound on the soundtrack. I find that so funny. I, <laughs> normally I would find that really annoying and kind of like, why? But it's like somehow in the hands of Jerry Goldsmith, it's just like perfection. It works yeah, here it's, so well. It, yeah, yeah it, it, it's it sounds like something that would be in a Pee Wee Herman, yeah, uh, movie <laughs> type of thing. Sure, yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, I agree that the score, and you know, he and Joe Dante had such a great partnership for many many films, and it just works. I think you know you you get Bernstein who worked with uh, Scorsese and Larry Cohen a lot. Like when you get these guys who just know their directors, they've mm-hmm. worked together enough. It just works, man. Like I can't think of many more partnerships than a Dante Goldsmith that work as well as they do. Uh, and maybe the Spielberg like Gary... and John Williams. You know, it's like right. it's like that kind of a thing. Hitchcock, exactly. Bernard, like yeah. Yeah, Herman, not not Bernstein, Leonard Bernstein, get out of here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, it, yeah, you think of Spielberg and Williams, but you're going to throw Dante and Goldsmith up there. People yeah. know, like people, general people know Steven Spielberg. They know John Williams. General people probably don't know Joe Dante and Jerry Goldsmith, but they're right up there with them. That's that's how yeah. well Goldsmith scored his movies and The Burbs. It's like. Gosh, uh, talk about kitchen sink. It's like a kitchen sink score. Jerry Goldsmith must have had a blast 
Oh, he yeah. got to explore all sorts of different motifs and like haunting shit and comedic stuff. And yeah, like the, you know, the the dog barking, you know, Casio keyboard almost sounding. Yeah. And, and then you mentioned the Ennio Morricone thing, you know, just the close ups. That is so funny because it's like because it's, it's the close ups on the eyes, you know, obviously. Yeah. It's it's meant to evoke that, and it's meant to be funny. You're supposed to think of the good, the bad, and the ugly. And then when it does the close up on the dog's eyes with it, yes. too, it's, just, it's, just, it's just like this is Joe Dante just knowing you get the joke. Yeah, you know, and it it just works. This movie works for me better every time I see it. Yeah, I think what's great about Joe Dante is that he doesn't pander to the audience, Mm -mm. but he's not showing off. Right. Like with the clips that he throws in or with, you know, the the good, bad, the ugly type of thing. He's not throwing us a bone, but he's not, you know, showing shit or including shit that's going to be way over the audience's head, you know. Although, although he could because he knows so fucking much, but yeah. he doesn't. And what that's what's great about him is that he doesn't pander to the audience. He just he knows what the viewer is going to get, and he he puts it out there. And it gosh, it works, man. There's another shot that I, this is a really famous shot when they they're the the femur and and it shows them screaming and it's moving in and out on their faces (laughs) it's like i've never seen joe dante do anything like that before or since and it's just like it tells you hey guys remember this is a comedy yes (laughs) you can laugh at what's going on here even though he's holding a human femur bone (laughs) Uh, that's just just him having pure fun i think and the actors too their reactions to it are just immediately like "Ah!" they're so far over the top yeah uh, you can see Tom Hanks's fillings, you know, because he's just like, just you know, his mouth is so far open that his his head is so far back. It's just I always notice that in movies. Yeah, <laughs> I just like, love wow. It. He has a lot of feelings. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so it was. It's just hysterical. Yeah, wow. it's a comforting movie, and I have, I don't know, a a very small handful, eight, nine, or ten movies that I call truly comfort movies i mean i i think uh, a lot of times i throw that word around a lot but really there's just a very very small handful of comfort movies mm-hmm. and this is one that like i was saying at the at the beginning of the recording that you know if you're channel surfing and you come across the burbs it's like robocop you're gonna <laughs> stop and you're gonna finish where it doesn't matter where we are at in the burbs or robocop you're gonna sit and you're gonna finish watching <laughs> The Burbs or Robocop. It was always this Tremors for me. Which one, Michelle? It was Tremors for me. For that. Oh, Tremors? Yeah. Yeah. I thought Tremors was on. It's like, oh, yeah, I guess I'm watching the rest of this. Yeah. Tremor. That was another one that seemed like it was always on cable TV, like a like a TNT. It seemed like a Ted Turner type of movie. So it either TBS it was or was on USA. USA. Yeah. That's what USA. it would be on. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that, that would be. I probably saw that one for the first time on cable, too. I saw that one for the first time, <laughs> what, a year ago? A year or two years what? ago? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, it was It was funny because my wife is does not like horror at all. She's sort of famously just repelled by it, and like makes her physically ill. But I said, yeah, I, I'm watching Tremors for the podcast. She says, 
oh yeah, I used to watch that all the time at sleepovers and stuff. And it's like, so she's, I mean that, but I mean, tremors, I mean, it's, it's, it's yeah. not a horror movie like, you know, Midsummer is a Cause it was movie, on you know TV what I mean. all the time. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know yeah, how so, you missed it. <laughs> so my wife likes movies, but she's not into movies like I am. And right. so it's so funny. It's like whenever she says one that she's seen a million times that I've never seen, it's always like the funniest thing because you know <laughs> it was like that and arachnophobia, which I just like refused to watch for years because uh, of you know, spiders. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so There've so been bad. a couple that we've talked about that she introduced you to, haven't there? That's right. Yeah. Bowfinger so. and a couple others. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Um, Bowfinger, I, I can understand that one kind of falls under the radar, but man, Tremors, that is. I know. Well, the thing is, I, 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 I knew about Tremors. Sure. I remember seeing the trailers and everything, but for some reason it was just like, we, it just wasn't one that we decided to watch uh, yeah. for whatever reason that would Mistake. be. You know? I know. I know. I don't think I, I don't think I decided to watch Tremors until maybe a few years ago I had written about it, but it was always on usa and so i always fucking watched it it was Mm -hmm. you know and we got cable pretty late too i I gotta i gotta say we got we didn't have cable when i was very young we had it more like in my teenage years sure Um, so why i never watched it then i don't know but you know yeah why why do you come to movies whatever you come to movies you know what i mean it's so often it's it's like i i don't know uh, why it's now and not earlier or later or what you know uh, it's, well, it's that, that's, sometimes it's that's just the right time anymore i don't feel as much shocked as i do excited when someone says oh i oh, haven't yeah. seen this right uh, yeah. so like it, but the, bur- the burbs is yeah the burbs is one of those where i'm like you <laughs> yeah. stop whatever you're doing <laughs> sit your ass down you're gonna watch the burbs right now yeah uh, because it, it's it, that's one of those movies where it's like I have to know what you think of this movie immediately because it's perfection. And if you don't think so, you're completely wrong. <laughs> and like you said, I don't think I've I've seen or met anybody that doesn't love this movie. I mean, I was just prepping for the show earlier this evening and I just posted a little gif on Twitter from the verbs and everyone was me like, love that movie. You know, it's just yeah. it's one of those yeah. that everyone is like, yeah, yeah, we love that one. You know, after this conversation. I'll give it one more watch, and my four and a half stars, I bet, will become five. I, I, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm confident of this. I saw that, Brian. Oh, you did? I, uh, <laughs> he was hurt. You hurt his feelings, Brian. I was, I was not pleased. Oh, no. Yeah, well, I realized four and a half stars half star. is a great rating. It really is. Where's where really the is. Half star coming from? It, it went up a half star from my previous from four. watch. So, oh, yeah. wow. So, hey. So, you know, like I said, I'm just, it's, it's, I'm loving it more every time. I think it, it is one of those, uh, Bur- The Burbs is one of those movies that you watch for the first time and it's going to rank high yeah but like you're saying brian i i think it's one of those that one it's insanely rewatchable so you're probably gonna watch it more Mm -hmm. and more and each time you watch it you're gonna find something you appreciate about it more and more until you get to the point where it's just like i love this whole thing like yeah like cover my body in the burbs (laughs) yeah it's the best and it like i said i don't know if it was maybe it was a nostalgia thing up until a few you know, five years ago or so when I finally sat down and like watched it, you know, sort of analytically, you know, with a, a movie person's mind, uh, that sounds pretentious and disgusting. I'm a piece <laughs> no, of I get it. You're fine. <laughs> you, You're know, fine. you know we what I'm saying, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, 
but that's when I was like, oh, like I saw the light. I was like, this, <laughs> I mean, it really is perfection and it's not nostalgia. It's mm-hmm. for me. You know, there there are those movies that are five star movies for me, but I realize they're not really five star movies. But The Burbs sure. is like, you know, a four and a half to five star oh, movie. Yeah. And like I said, I don't have nostalgia for this movie. This movie really, honestly, on my first watch when I saw it when I was young in the theater, I mean, probably was because I was just so damn tired from watching because it was a second feature. Right? Double feature. Yeah. Yeah. I was really disappointed by it because I didn't understand what I was seeing. I sure. think I, I don't not sure I was really ready for that kind of movie. So when I came back to it, gosh, 25, 30 years later. Because I think maybe the second time I saw it was on this Shout Factory disc uh, oh, wow. just a couple of years ago and was like, yeah, this is good. Okay, I, I, I get it. <laughs> you know, and so, and as I have watched it more, it's just like, okay, this, <laughs> this isn't just good. This is near great. And I'm sure if I watch it one more time, it'll be, you know, that perfection that you're talking yeah. about. Uh, I have I no so. doubt about it. Is there any other tidbits anyone wants to bring up or? What's your favorite line? Oh, something you find well, yourself it, quoting a lot. Uh, it's the chanting. Satan is our pal. Satan is good. I'm not going yeah. to listen to this. I'm not <laughs> going to hear this. I now. want to I mean, kill everyone. That's, I mean, it's constantly playing. It's constantly playing in my because, like, you know, if if I'm listening to a song or like if somebody says something in that particular cadence, <laughs> right. yeah. like immediately my mind Satan goes to that. Yeah. Satan is our pal, you know, and, and it's so funny because it doesn't rhyme. It's a near rhyme, as Stephen Sondheim would call it. Yeah. Uh, but it's that cadence. Yeah. And so like and, and it's a very a common thing that you you'll hear in nature. Like, OK, was it yesterday or two days ago? I go out on my porch and I, I talk to my sponsor every morning and there was a bird call birds are out there chirping and one did their call in that cadence and that was the first thing that popped in my head I'm like holy fuck we're talking about this movie in a couple days too that's crazy oh, that's funny I think for me there's uh, no tan lines today I think is a good one um, so funny oh my god right in front of yeah. the husband yeah, <laughs> and, yeah uh, and, a war vet you're saying that a war yeah. vet and and the way the Brewster answers that kid's a meatball. Just that, that the way he says that voice. And, um, and oh, I remember. Here's the one that we always did when I was a kid. It's the pizza dude. I didn't know. Is that a callback to to Donatello of him him voicing Donatello? Because I feel like he said that as I had no the turtle. Idea. I think so. Yeah. I mean, it just clicked today because he says Corey it Feldman twice. did. Yeah, Corey Feldman did the voice of Donatello, and I original. did not know that. Yeah, teenage mutant. I didn't either. I didn't. Wow. And and he says it's the pizza dude in Turtles. So that's true. I I was like, I wonder if that's a callback or or if that was just like a popular thing to say in the late eighties. My brother and I used to say it all the time. It was like the one line we remembered from the movie that we quoted incessantly. You know. Have you ever tried sardines on pretzels since watching this movie? No. Sardine? 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 Uh, God, no. You, have, you haven't ever <laughs> uh, wanted to try that inspired by this movie? No? That's shocking. Uh, well, <laughs> I, I've tried. I've tried one sardine 
in my life is when I was working in restaurants. And I, of course, the whole time was thinking the burbs and this is going to be disgusting. And what do you know? Sardines are fucking disgusting. Yeah, I've, I've never I had, had a, a sardine, feeling. So. Yeah, no, I don't think I'm going hard, to. I'm good. Pass, the way I like, hard like pass crunches them. in his mouth. I'm not. Yeah. No. Well, I mean, that, <laughs> it could be the pretzel, but I think design, the part of it was. This, yeah. Yeah. Well, the the sound design of that when he's even like digging around in the tin. Yes. Right. It's so gross. Also, I love the uh, inclusion of the little box of gremlin cereal in the background in their kitchen. Yes. I noticed that too. <laughs> I love that. I thought that was yeah. cute. Great movie. Great pick oh, for this. Definitely. So much fun. Uh, and normally for our Friends Forever favorites episodes, we usually forego, you know, the pairing thing. But hey, because uh, you're this an expert is at this, Anthony. Anthony. King, <laughs> and Anthony is, you know, the Cult Movies podcast. Uh, if you haven't listened to it, you should, first of all. Uh, but you do pairings Especially with our all of the movies that you... Yeah, our episodes are the best. Um, <laughs> <laughs> They're super fun. They're a yeah. lot of fun, yeah. So anyway, there's a pairing element is all of it. And instead of doing three or two each, we're, we're just thinking, you know, if you just have one to go with, uh, especially since we just sprung it on you right at, before we started, we pressed record. Do you have a, a movie that you would want to pair with the burbs? I do. Now, I wasn't going to do this because I've written about this actual pairing in an early column I did for F This Movie. But it really is, in my mind, the perfect double feature, and that is F. Gary Gray's Friday, <laughs> which I've never uh, seen. That's kind of perfect. So, yeah, <laughs> I mean, you, you got you know uh, people just watching their neighborhood. They're in the in, neighborhood, in both, yeah, totally. In, in both movies, and uh, very, you know, you have one super white movie and you have one super black movie. Yeah, but. Uh, for this old double feature column I used to do, I, I actually would watch the double features and it works so well. And being a parent, it's one of those where you could sit down with your kids and watch the burbs and then kids go to bed and then you and your, your wife, husband, your partner, whoever watch Friday. Uh, because I, I think Friday is another one that, um, well, maybe it's just people of you know our generation ish that i grew up watching friday because was this 94 i think so i would have been 12 when this came out and i mean this was a huge huge deal for me and so i don't know it, it just it really works i love the fact that two different types of people from very different socioeconomic backgrounds are kind of doing the same thing in the burbs and in friday and where, whereas the burbs, like these guys are focused primarily on one house in Friday, they're just kind of watching the whole neighborhood. But I have done this double feature and it works splendidly. So I highly recommend it. That's amazing. Uh, now I, the thing is, I was 16 when that movie came out. There is no reason I should have never seen that movie. Because, I mean, that's the kind of movie, like, when you're in high school, you hang around with your friends and watch. And I never did. I So I still haven't seen it. And it's one that, you know, I know certain lines from it and stuff. But I've never actually, I don't, I, I didn't really know what it was, I mean, to be honest. So I, I think it's, it's definitely one I like need it. to need to put at the top of that watch list. Yeah. 
it's yeah it's one of those for me it's a, it's insanely rewatchable and quotable i mean everybody mm-hmm. who who grew up watching this movie still quotes the shit out of it i mean yeah uh the t- by, Fel- uh, doesn't by Felicia Bible come Felicia? from that? Yeah, yeah by Felicia fucking comes from Friday. From Friday, yeah. yeah. And I yeah. didn't, I didn't really realize that because it's just a line that I would say all the time from Friday. But I don't know, it just didn't compute. I was like, oh shit, everybody <laughs> else says by Felicia, and it it's from the movie. Oh, that's yeah. crazy. So, anyways, <laughs> it's talk about insanely quotable. There's a million in Friday. That's a good one. I love that. That's great. I mean, I, I'm not going to be able to top that. <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> um, well, mine was just this is a movie that I've really always kind of championed, and it's actually I think a lot better than it was given credit for. I think when it first came out, I picked uh, Disturbia from oh, 2007. Yes. I yeah. love Disturbia, and um, kind of looking at it now, I mean, it's got a it's got a great cast. It's got a it's kind of the same thing going on with um, the burbs too, where it's funny and kind of spooky at the same time. And it, I think it has maybe an ending that you don't really, you might not expect. Like they could have gone the same way. Like they could have gone either way with the ending of that. Either the guy was a killer or he wasn't. And this kid was just paranoid and bored and while well, he was under uh, house arrest or whatever. But uh, I, think, I think it's a really fun movie and it's, it's, uh, it, plays with the whole rear window thing really well and it's, I, I really enjoyed this one a lot and, and when i look at like who was involved with it now i didn't recognize his name back then obviously but uh christopher Chris landon, landon yeah. was a co-writer on it from oh, okay. the happy death day yeah. movies and freaky and mm-hmm. i was like okay that's why it works so well because he's an awesome writer so he definitely yeah, helped yeah, that. It, i love disturbia i think this this would be a fun double feature too you could do like your fun one and then you're kind of like spooky one for absolutely well yeah the real rear window is my favorite hitchcock and any any of its adaptations i love disturbia being one the burbs Mm -hmm. uh even like the simpsons episode where oh i love that episode like that's that's my favorite simpsons episode yeah it's a good one Uh, Mm -hmm. like obviously the genius of rear window plays for generations and will forever be relevant in an entertaining uh sort of sort of way uh which is remarkable so i thought about disturbia because that is one that i i really like and i you know i i'm a fan of of shia labeef of <laughs> the beef um so you know he's he's, a he's fun weirdo, in this he's a lot of fun he's, he's really good yeah he's really good in this yeah. movie he's quite a presence <laughs> <laughs> sorry. <laughs> sorry i couldn't resist that um, anyway so and honestly, I, my recommendation is not good because uh, you just said it. I would I would put we're, it with rear window. <laughs> I, I mean, it's obvious. It is clearly the the movie that most inspired all these movies is. Sorry, uh, but it's a it's an absolute masterpiece. And you know, one thing that Michelle and I enjoy is it's sort of that single location movie oh, yeah. where you're. You're trapped in that one look, and the thing is, you never leave his room. I mean, even though you're seeing all these characters, you don't hear a single line of dialogue from him. You don't. Know, I mean, the only one that happens is when Raymond Burr finally comes over and talks to him, right? But I, you have uh, of the neighbors, I should say, and I got to see it in the theater when it was restored I did too. twenty years ago, and 
it's so cool to watch that movie with a crowd. Mm. Um, and it just works. It still works. So uh, I'm not really going to, I mean, that's, I think the obvious one, but also one that I think would be fun is one that's planted in the movie and that's race with the devil. I think that would be a great double with this as well. Totally. And I just saw that for the first time sometime during this last year. And that movie's just freaking fun. They happen to see this satanic cult uh, sacrifice happening and they get chased in a camper. And it's just, you know, war notes and, and uh, Peter Fonda, Peter, you know, Fonda, and it's, oh. and it's snakes and it's just, it's, it's a, just a lot of fun. So the stuff with the snakes in the, in the, yeah. in the camper is, <laughs> freaks me the hell out. Yeah. Um, you, you can, you can see where, you know, like the black Mamba scene in uh, kill bill volume okay. two was probably uh, had um, some yeah, connection with that. You know, um, honestly, that might even make a hell of a triple. You know, you just do race with the devil, the burbs and uh, rear window and call it good. You know, and then all of these are just great. I think what, man, uh, if I ever got the, the chance to program a theater, I think a marathon of uh, like neighborhood paranoia uh-huh. or, that'd be, or that'd be a lot of fun in relation to. So like you would throw, I mean, all these movies together, I think would yeah. make for a hell of a marathon. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, it, it's so funny. Like, so you have Rear Window, which is maybe the ultimate or 12 Angry Men, the ultimate bottle movie. Is, sure. You know, those movies are bottle movies. But you, you look at the Burbs or you look at Friday or you look at uh, even Race with the Devil, maybe the the camper or their mm-hmm. RV yeah. is the is the bottle. But the neighborhood becomes the bottle. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really interesting to think about because like with Friday, they don't leave the neighborhood. They're all on the same street. Even when they go to the gas station, it's just right down the street. They go to different people's houses, but it's all on the same street. And the burbs, everything's happening in the cul-de-sac. Yep. Uh, we're in different people's houses. Uh, I guess just two were inside of three different people's houses, uh, but it's all in that same area. And so, so you have uh, rear window, which the bottle is Jimmy Stewart's cool little apartment. Yeah. Uh, but then you can expand that to something like Friday or the burbs where the street mm-hmm. becomes the bottle. And I like thinking like that. So I think yeah. sort of that neighborhood paranoia or, or the, the, paranoid bottle i don't know what you would call it a movie <laughs> where you could include race with the devil that'd be a fun ass marathon I think yeah so. for sure all right always fun to <laughs> talk all sorts of things with you anthony um, yeah. is there anything that uh i mean we're we're kind of banking a bunch of episodes so i don't know exactly when this is coming out but if you have uh sort of uh some kinds of ongoing things that you'd like to talk about uh tell us about cult movies tell us about neon badges uh anything that yeah, you've uh, got, on, well, got in mind at f this movie uh i i took a break from neon badges to uh write some june exploitation stuff yeah but i will be coming back in july with neon badges and i will be doing uh beverly hills cop and manhunter is coming up oh man. and <laughs> Uh, what, what else? Oh, I have, I have a few lined up here. Um, and then cult movies. I am on season hiatus right now, but we're coming back in August. 
start recording at the end of July. We'll come back in August. And once I get back from our vacation here at the end of June, I'll start booking guests and scheduling stuff and getting movies picked. And I'm excited to see, you know, the, the list on cult movies is starting to dwindle. We're down to 40, <laughs> which is a uh, uh, 40 from the first book. Right. If you, if you want to count <laughs> but, but 40 from the first book, we're going to go through the, the whole book before we get to uh, number two and three. So It'll be a lot of fun. Uh, we got some uh, real obscurities yeah. that I'm wondering if people are going to pick. Uh, we've got Ronald Reagan, if anyone <laughs> and a, wants and to a pick monkey. that movie. And a Ronald Reagan. And that, a one, that one sell for grabs? Well, I thought I, I thought I made a deal. I thought I made. I thought I made a deal with the devil saying, what, to, was a... to talk about that movie, right? So yeah, um, coming up in August, we'll we'll kick things off with season four, and I will say right now, our season premiere is going to be uh, the first adult movie of cult oh. movies, and that is okay. Marilyn Chambers and Behind the Green Door. Oh, okay. Uh, which is a that's a that's a bonkers wacky ass trip of a movie there so it'll be a lot of fun <laughs> all right cool. that's fantastic awesome um great stuff from anthony all the time do check out cult movies and i i really mean this this is definitely a, top two or three favorite podcasts that i listen to just must listen uh every single time great guests uh, not just us. Um, <laughs> mostly us, um, but ju- just mostly you. Yeah, true. <laughs> lots, lots of great uh, recommendations, and I mean, I find myself always just every time I'm listening to an episode, I'm adding more stuff to my letterbox watch list, and uh, it, it's just and just realizing that the, some of these movies that I have to catch up with too, just so many great things and just the affection for Danny Perry. And it was so awesome that, you know, he was on an episode as well yeah. um, to talk about. I walked with a zombie was just so cool. And I was really happy for you. That was, that was a quite a, yeah, that was a very awesome. cool thing yeah. uh, for you to be able to do that. And um, yeah. So anyway, um, I know, well, I've been, I'm a little bit behind, but I was just um, listening today to the first episode that you did with Kristen and, and Vinny about um, stars, cult movie stars, yes. the, the, the Ginny Auditor one was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. I kind of want to see that uh, China Nine Liberty 37 movie. Oh, yeah, it's a kick-ass movie. Yeah, it's really good, man. Talking about Warren Oates, he's uh, yeah, he's something else in that man. And gosh, Fabio Testi is uh, eye candy for us all. <laughs> See that? But of course, that's what made me curious about it. But that seems like it's going to be a fun series. So, are you gonna you gonna keep going with that? I'm assuming, yeah, yeah, yeah we. Fun. I'm gonna do a, a a mid a mid break special episode in July. I'm not gonna uh, say who it's with or what we're gonna talk about, but uh, it'll be a cult movie stars thing. Cool. Uh, but yes, we'll, we'll Vinny and Kristen and I will do uh, two or three more, I think, stars this next season. But those are a lot of fun. They are. I feel bad because I make them watch lots of movies. <laughs> so and that's the thing. Like when you come, sure, on I hate movies, watching movies. <laughs> I, I feel bad about asking these people I'm like, OK, we're going to talk about this one movie, but then we're going to talk about three other movies that, that you need to talk. <laughs> right. Uh, uh, pick. Right. And so you have to watch at least four movies and so when i do the cult movie stars i'm like okay guys we're going to talk about two movies but also their entire filmography so (laughs) see you in a month good luck (laughs) 
those episodes are a lot of fun too and i, yeah, oh, I really loved yeah. i loved the the other one you did i mean <laughs> probably keep on going on and on about about your show but um i love the one where it's like the new cult movies like the post 90s one i thought that was a very fun episode to listen to and it got me thinking about ideas uh you know what would i throw in you know to that and stuff and i i thought that was a really really fun episode too and yeah that was a that was a fun exercise that Vinny and i were just like yeah well we have we have a free night to record so let's yeah. do this and it was fun well, because we had we had a couple crossovers which like hardly ever happens on uh my show which is weird about all the movies we talk about i've only crossed over i think on two regular episodes but Vinny and i crossed over two movies on one episode that's why he and i we work so well together and, yeah. and Kristen, that we all kind of think the same yeah it seemed like it you guys seem like a good team so where can people find you and the show uh cult movies you can find on twitter and instagram at cult movies pod you can find me on twitter instagram and letterboxd at ak donnelly that's a-k-d-o-n-e-l-l-y awesome fantastic okay and uh if you want to find us on Twitter. You can find uh, the show at Movie Life Pod. You can find me at Michelle in Agen. Again, thank you so much, Anthony. Absolute pleasure. Always a blast. And uh, <laughs> hopefully we'll be doing it again. And always just awesome to talk to you. Have us back on Cult you Movies. Guys. That's fine. Oh, you bet. Well, you know, yeah, we're, we're doing this again. Season four. Yay. Love talking okay. to you guys. Excited. <laughs> thank you so much. This Fantastic. was a fun episode. Okay, Michelle, what are we going to do? We will see you all next time. Bye. Bye.